Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? This time they did a 45 day uh, continued resolution. It pushed right up to the Thanksgiving Day break. And they'll say, hey man, we got to go home. We got holiday, you know. So we'll pass what's called an omnibus bill. Say it's 2,000 pages and you read down until you come to the, you know, 15th page or whatever. Oh, there's what I need. And there's the stuff that this lobbyist that greases me. Then you pull the Nancy Pelosi, you got to pass it so you know what's in it. You stop reading, you vote for it, and that's why we're $33 trillion in debt. This is all a smoke show up here. This is all a smoke show. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Wendy Bell Radio Program, hour number three of the show on the clock. This is the time of the week that we always get to talk to our national security expert, a gentleman who knows all about the military. He knows about the FBI. He was an agent. He knows all about everything, and he wants to talk to us about something I know nothing about. John Guandolo, welcome, my friend. Thank you very much. Great to be on with you, as always. You know, I saw this headline bounce around. In fact, it was making the rounds in one of these threads on Twitter, like one of the top 10 stories that nobody in the news is talking about. And when I see Iranian spying, my head just, I'm like, what? I can't even go there. So what's going on? Well, I think this is huge because it really lays out for your viewers and listeners, and really all Americans, the uh, lack of a counterintelligence apparatus in the U.S. government and the intentional um, advancement within our government of people who are hostile, who are traitors, who are spies, and with the president and others turning a blind eye to it. And this, to me, is as big as any other story that is out there uh, regarding all the stuff on the table regarding Mr. Biden and his family's criminal syndicate, because this is direct evidence that leadership, including the president, the United States government, is aware that we have significant penetration of our government by hostile foreign agents, and they are not only not doing anything about it, they are doing nothing to allow them to advance and helping them advance, which, again, is a violation of federal law, and certainly one could make an argument. It, it raises questions of treason and sedition. Um, so let me lay a few of the facts out. Under the Obama administration, there was a gentleman uh, uh, who's still around named Robert Malley, and under the Biden administration, he served as the uh, essentially an envoy to Iran. He has served in several positions, and he actually negotiated under the previous uh, administration uh, in the Iranian nuclear deal. And 
He's served as essentially the U.S. government's chief uh, liaison to Iran under both Obama and Biden. He's the former head of the International Crisis Group inside the uh, U.S. government in the White House. And uh, that's what he gets paid for. And what it turns out is he knowingly uh, and wittingly participated in helping agents of the Iranian intelligence and government advance inside the U.S. government, specifically in the State Department and the Pentagon, um, with the um, objective of influencing U.S. policy in all sectors, so in academia, uh, in the government, etc. And so we have this is interesting because we have writers in both an independent Iranian uh, source as well as a Wall Street Journal uh, writer who it, who published that numerous emails dating back several years between Iranian officials, including the foreign minister and senior Iranian government officials, demonstrate that all of this is true. Now, Mali uh, was put on suspension in April, quietly, of course, uh, because the Biden administration realized that, uh, this is my assessment, realized this was going to go public. And um, so he was put on suspension and his security clearance held up. But this is somebody who, for uh, one could argue since 2012, uh, has been doing this for the Obama and Biden administrations. Uh, it's amazing, and it's amazing that the the network, and, and this is important, the network itself, this network of what they know is probably over a dozen uh, agents for the Iranian government in these key positions in State Department and Pentagon were being paid and supported operationally by the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps which works directly for the senior leadership in Iran. That, and we know the point person for this, what is called uh, the Iran Experts Initiative um, by the Iranians. That's, that is the summary, but these are people that have participated in major conferences about Iran, their nuclear program, their you know, foreign policy, potential sanctions, sanctions in Europe, Saudi Arabia, Israel, uh, they participated in these con- uh, conferences all over the world with the United States and with the backing of Robert Maui. What does a Joe Biden or anybody in government who, who knows about this, who's facilitated, what do they get out of it? Well, I think we, we need to understand, uh, just like guys like John Kerry uh, and others, we see, you know, that the part of the answer is the same answer as, why are people not uh, at the CIA, State Department, FBI hammering Saudi Arabia and Qatar? Why are they not uh, hammering China? Many of them, as you have, again, detailed on your show. That's because when they get out of these positions, we see senior U.S. government officials go and take up. We, uh, uh, it's They've been the subject of uh, uh, quite a number of articles and, and books about the number of Republican and Democrat senators and congressmen who have gone to work for Chinese military and intelligence. 
because they're getting paid six and seven figures. And it's the same uh, with these groups working with Iran. That's a part of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, why did Mr. Obama and his senior people, Mrs. Clinton, John Kerry, push the Iran deal when they knew the Iranians have vowed to destroy the United States, Mm -hmm. have vowed to nuke Israel when they get the, you know, uh, ability, and yet we're supporting them and advocating for them. We are canoodling and commingling with a lot of people who hate us. And you talk about this and have spoken about this in in understanding the threat, your business model and teaching people at the local level how to identify communist and jihadi networks infiltrating the every aspect of of governance, even into the churches you've set, you've talked about the, the commingling. This is so epidemic. Like, how do you cut the head off of the serpent? Is there a way to do that? Or is this is this just so rampant? Like, where do you begin? So uh, two things, I think. One, Americans are still coming to grips. And again, you and I have talked about it and you've talked about it, uh, quite frankly, quite a bit in the last couple of months. But but even going back that that it is so bad. But the key I want people to understand is that the American government does not have a functioning counterintelligence apparatus. Right. And the enemies of the United States, the Islamic movement, the communist movement, Russia, China, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, uh, Cuba, Venezuela, have good intelligence uh, apparatus. Yeah, yeah, right. right? And, And this is that. This is primarily, and I've been saying this since back when I was in the FBI, what they are doing is primarily espionage and counterintelligence. And because in many cases they are working together, uh, these hostile countries, including Turkey, uh, Syria, and others, are working together. And because America has no functional counterintelligence apparatus, we see all these things. We see people like Deb Howland right now is our Secretary of Agriculture, full-blown commie. Interior, the, the right? Won't, is she interior the, or agriculture? Uh, interior, thank you, Secretary of Interior. Uh, the nominee uh, for, you know, uh, running the, being the comptroller of the currency for the United States, full-blown party member, communist, mm. uh, Soviet-era trained. You've got the number three guy at the FBI, Paul Abate, uh, literally forming a deep bond with the leadership of the Dar al-Hidra Mosque, which is an al-Qaeda uh, Hamas mosque right outside of Washington, D.C. You've got Abdurrahman Alamudi, who was the advisor to the President of the United States, President Clinton, Vice President Gore, who created the Muslim chaplain program for the Department of Defense and the Under. Bureau of Prisons, and, and he was an al-Qaeda guy. So you could just do this over and over. We've got the, the penetration of our system and the lack of a counterintelligence apparatus, it is just more evidence that the federal government is incapable of doing Correct. its job. Blow it up. I mean, proverbially, they need a Matt Gates. They needed to pull the plug on the grenade and lob it. Now, we're going to hit a quick break here, John. But when we come back, and I'm just going to throw this at you. So what you're telling us now is these operatives have used their Iranian heritage and Western academic positions to influence U.S. policy. But what we also have is an open border of who knows who from God knows where coming across our border and now settling in our country. How imminent, how possible, how realistic 
is a terror attack on the United States. We're going to talk to John Guandolo about that very real possibility coming up next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. We are rejoined by our friend, national security expert, John Guandolo. He's been talking to us about this high-level Iranian spy ring, which has been busted in D.C. Uh, and the, the depths of it, I'm sure the tentacles go deep and, and dark. John, talk to me with the conjunction with open borders. And we, ha- we know that terrorists have crossed over into our country because there have been a handful that have been stopped at the border. Um, add these two stories together and give me an idea of what could be coming. And what do you see? So that's a, that's a really good question, and I think it's timely. Um, but I think when you look at uh, and you just kind of put together the things you talk about, so the border, it clearly an open border, where uh, the policies, which are unconstitutional, by the way, but nobody seems to be doing a lot about it, uh, certainly not the governors of California or Texas or Arizona, um, to, to stop this, um, the policies are unconstitutional. We, people have a natural right, right? There are natural rights involved in how people come and go from the United States, and that's often lost in this discussion. But, but there needs to be a vetting system. And as you and I have discussed, because we had an al-Qaeda guy, for instance, uh, advising President Clinton for eight years, because we had al-Qaeda, Hamas, and Hezbollah people in the uh, Bush, Obama, Trump, and the Biden administration, the federal government has demonstrated that they are incapable. And the the refugee issue uh, is a clear indicator. They're incapable of vetting people. Uh, When you've got an ISIS guy being trained by the State Department, et cetera. So at these open borders, we know there are terrorists. Mm-hmm. We know there are bad people coming across the border. But there are also people that are being given visas or coming over as, you know, friends that are bad people. And so you put all of that together, the, the massive spikes in violent crime uh, in cities, that are run by one party, that's the Democrat Party, places like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago. I don't think there's a Republican elected to any level anywhere. Pittsburgh. There. Pittsburgh, great example. And so uh, there are people to blame for what's going on. You've got looting in cities with nobody doing anything. Mm-hmm. Finally, Philadelphia is like, well, we're going to throw some cops at the problem, but uh, we're not actually going to deal with the problem. Uh, you've got... All that the Chinese are doing, right? The fentanyl, you know, all that's coming Farmland. from South Central America, in other words, the child mm-hmm. trafficking, human trafficking, the U.S. Gov- federal government supporting the jihadi and communist movements, the propaganda campaign to disarm Americans, the assault on free speech and property rights and life, the corruption of the voting system, police. I've just had a meeting yesterday, and uh, in certain areas, police are absolutely overwhelmed. Yes. You know, you have huge areas in places like Texas, California, and Arizona, where you've got two, three, four police officers. If any. If any, investigating human trafficking in a massive area. So it's, they're overwhelmed. So let me go directly to your question about do I foresee more terrorist attacks and all that. They are, it's imploding right now, and our adversaries, both Iran, you know, Iran, China, Saudi Arabia, Russia, uh, all these places, Turkey, 
uh, all of our adversaries are watching this, and uh, they will do what they need to do on the violent spectrum to create or accelerate chaos mm-hmm. when they believe it will suit them. Now, we see what they're doing in Europe. Much more significant violence, and I wrote about this back in May, that it would probably uh, begin at the end of May, early June, and it began in Europe. And what we saw and have seen here in places like Philadelphia, Chicago, is that on-the-street violence, uh, but not nationally coordinated like we're seeing in other countries. Sweden. Um, yeah, exactly. And now Sweden, by the way, is uh, contemplating putting their army on the streets mm-hmm. to bash the jihadis. Um, but we'll see if they actually have the courage to do what needs to be done to protect their citizens. But with all that going on, it comes back to what you and I have said. If communities do not fortify their counties, their neighborhoods and their counties, so that they have good, they flush the bad guys out, they reestablish America's founding principles, they secure and, and you know, have civil you know, training for civil response in neighborhoods in their county. If you don't do this and you don't prepare for these things, then you're fools. And there are communities that we work with that are very well prepared for almost, I would say, anything, including massive natural disasters, even a nuclear attack. They're prepared with everything they need to survive and take care of each other. John, in the most, last... Ooh, sorry. Most are not. Ten, ten seconds left. Tell everybody how they can reach out to you if they want some advice and training. Uh, com. Reach out to me. Share training and uh, certainly consult with you and your Love community. Him. Love him. John Guandolo, have a wonderful weekend, my friend. Thank you, as always, for sharing your expertise at the national security level. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, you know what the next segment is. It is good news, but there's stuff to happen before that. Audio from a an influencer, a black man convicted of murder who has something very interesting to say about Donald Trump. Let's talk about it. It's important next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Every now and again, we stumble upon an audio soundbite that we have to grab. And just like we had to grab Congressman Tim Burchett for you. So you could hear someone who otherwise probably would just kind of be in the shadows. He's not a flashy guy. Not a look at me guy. He's a, he's a quiet, good old boy who comes from a solid family of service who's trying to serve as well, to live up to his family's legacy. Similarly, I want to tell you about this gentleman. His name is Charleston White. I know nothing about Charleston White. But Brock sent me something. He's sitting on a, looks like a podcast, and it's a video of him. And he's got this host named Dwayne White. That's not his name. It's Dwayne something or other. I got the wrong name. And they're both black men. And they're talking about... Why Charleston White likes Donald Trump. Now, the backstory on this guy, Charleston White is my age. He's 53. He's from Texas. He was part of a gang when he was 14. And he apparently murdered somebody or was involved in a murder. And he served time in prison. And he credits 
that system and thanks the Texas prison system for changing his life. And so when he came out, he was a different person. And he has become an influencer. He has a robust social media following. He tells an inconvenient truth about gangs, et cetera, et cetera. And he's openly very strong on Donald Trump. And he said something that was very interesting because you think people aren't paying attention. You feel, and it's easy to feel this way, that you are alone, that you are seeing things and nobody around you seems to see, that you hear, but nobody else's ears are listening. Now, we tend not to speak loudly as conservatives or people who live in realville about what is going on. More people are. People like this gentleman, Charleston White, and he's sitting with this guy who is his own talk show host of some iteration, and he's going to explain why he feels as strongly about Donald Trump as he does. Now, I titled this segment, You Have to Know History in Order to Not Repeat It. And it's shocking to me that the gentleman he's talking to, another black man, probably in his 50s or his 60s, is unfamiliar with basic history. Here's audio soundbite one. Listen to this. Why you wore that Trump hat in here? Uh, I'm a a diehard Trump supporter. Uh, In my household, uh, you got Martin Luther King, Mm -hmm. you got Jesus, and you got Donald Trump. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Not in that particular order, but yeah, you got yeah, Martin Luther King, Jesus, and Donald Trump. Why you got Donald Trump? Now, you uh, know, well, I'm a straight Democrat, but I, I'm for the best person. Oh, uh, yes, but sir. But now, why you got Donald Trump? Uh, because I paid attention in school uh, when I was a kid, and so I know, <laughs> I know, the, I know the true history of, of both the Republican uh, and Democratic Party. Uh, I know that they really didn't switch during, during the Nixon Southern strategy, that one became more clever than the other in dealing with black people. Uh, we the Democrats, we got away, we were the Republicans' friends. We were their friends, but we were the Democrats. Hmm. Uh, when you look at the... the, 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 the the origins of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, it originated out of the Demo- Democratic Party. The Ku Klux Klan. It did. He doesn't know this. The host, a middle-aged black man, does not know the history of the KKK. Is that amazing to you? A guy who served time for murder has come out and is able to tell you, I paid attention to history as a child. I know what happened. I know that since its founding in 1829, the Democratic Party has fought against every major civil rights initiative, has a long history of discrimination. In fact, the Democratic Party defended slavery, started the Civil War, opposed Reconstruction, founded the KKK, imposed segregation, perpetuated lynchings, and fought against the Civil Rights Act of the 1950s and 60s. By contrast, this gentleman... A reformed gangbanger, now motivational speaker for youth, who, by the way, started something called Hype, helping young people excel. This is what this young man has come out. Well, 53, I'm going to say he's young. What he's come out of prison to do, right? In contrast, he says the Republican Party was founded in 1854 as an anti-slavery party. Its mission was to stop the spread of slavery into the new Western territories. That's what led to the Civil War. That's what it was about. And you don't know this, but I know this, which is why I have a Trump hat on. 
Audio soundbite number two. Go. Every, every civil rights legislation that ever has been passed in this country uh, was authored, uh, uh, written, uh, sponsored, and voted on 100% by Republicans and not Democrats. Every civil rights legislation. Well, what, what, what you going to do? So let me, let me feel the man credit by Trump. Right. So, as a, so as a kid, I remember being six, seven years old uh, and, and seeing Donald Trump re receiving an award with, 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 with Muhammad Ali, uh, Rosa Parks, mm. uh, from the NAACP. Uh, not only that, uh, he in, engaged and interacted in, in our culture from the 80s throughout the 90s and even the 2000s, from rappers to Michael Jackson. Uh, so when we looked out into our culture, his face appeared many, many times. Uh, so for me to grow up now and, and then hear the media, because before the media started saying he was racist, I never heard a black leader say it. I never heard my grandmother say it. I never heard no one even mention anything bad about him other than rappers giving him praise in over 300 to 600 rap songs. So for the media to say, oh, he's racist, I knew they were playing con on us. And I can remember when America was great. I can remember when black children could play outside all day long uh, and you didn't hear about kids being kidnapped. You didn't hear about drive-by shooting. That is so powerful. He's speaking to a gentleman named Dwayne Carraway, who, despite having a microphone, doesn't understand his own history, American history. But this gentleman, a reformed gangbanger, does. And who does he lay the blame squarely upon? The media. The same people we've been peppering for the last 48 hours as they had knives out, for people like Congressman Tim Burchett. Why? Sonny Austin. For people like Jim Jordan. Why? Hillary Clinton, Christine Amanpour. Knives out for anything making America great again. Why? Because we know what the history is. One, we're not gonna repeat it. And two, we've got a country to save. So you'd have no idea out there when you're walking down the street who you're walking by, what they know, what they see. There's a pretty good chance it's a lot more than you think. All right, my friends, I love this time. You ready? I need some good Well, my boyfriend, Steve Hartman from CBS News, <laughs> I've claimed him. Yes, I have. He's got a great story today, and it is a story about two young men. It's about a boy who was, well, a man, a teenager going to college, excited to go to college until his mother passed away, and he was forced with a decision. And he did not waver in that decision, but he had no idea how hard the road ahead would be and how good People he never met were going to be to him. Enjoy. Working at this vehicle inspection site in Katy, Texas, Signals work. was never part of Jalen Gray's Three. plan. Far from it. He actually wanted to be a park ranger, but quit college and gave up the dream. It's not really a good feeling giving up at all. But um, Sometimes it's not quitting, it's just doing the right thing. Yeah, I had to do what I had to do, so... As we first reported last year, Jalen's little brother, Julian, became his sole priority. He's my reason. All right, let's go. His reason, 
and his responsibility. Their mother and only parent died three years ago. I just miss her so much. From that day on, I swore, you know, at all costs, I'm protecting them. Unfortunately, their lives went from bad to unbearable. Nowhere to go. After that big freeze hit Texas a couple years ago, the pipes burst in their house, the one their mother left them, and ruined everything. Those strange times. Then the contractor Jalen hired to fix it took their life savings. Tragic, isn't it? The boys were pretty much homeless, living with their last surviving close relative when a nonprofit called Katie Response caught wind. The group fixes up houses after natural disasters. Over the years, they've helped more than 100 families, but few more worthy than those boys. Yeah, it breaks your heart. Had to help. Had to. Executive Director Ron Peters. They had no idea people would, would want to jump in and help them. Which may explain their speechless surprise. I was overwhelmed. Thanks to an army of donors and volunteers, the brothers are finally and forever back in their mother's house. Fully renovated, better than ever. There's just so many nice people in this room right now and it makes me so happy. Since we first told this story, life for the boys has only gotten better. Viewers pitched in and are now paying for Jalen to go back to college to become a park ranger. All expenses paid? All expenses paid. What a turn of events for you. Yeah, I know. Complete 180. This random acts of kindness helped me get there. When their mother died, Julian and Jalen thought all they had was each other. But they were off by one whole nation. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Katy, Texas. Right? That is America. That right there. Don't go anywhere. It's Bad Joke Friday. Come on, you've come this far? They're really bad, I hear, today. So, <laughs> I love it. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. I admit... I cry during the good news almost every time. Can't help it, but you know what? Every now and again, you just got to get it out and realize, boy, oh boy, every single thing these clods tell us is so upside down. It's so backwards. I have such a loathing for the media. I got to be honest with you. It is so disappointing how they lie and propagandize and spin. And I look at my 30 years on television and, and I wonder how long was I part of something and had no idea how disgusting it was. And then Steve Hartman comes around, which is why I call him my boyfriend. And he gets to lift us up every single, every single Friday afternoon. Okay, you know what time it is now. Ladies and gentlemen, I just flew in from New York and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. <laughs> Anywho, welcome to the comedy club. Won't you give it up to Wendy and Brock for Bad Joke Friday. 
All right, our first joke is always. By the way, the point of the jokes is for them to be terrible. So if you and don't, we la- deliver. If you don't laugh, we don't read them in advance, so we botch them as well. Uh, this is the whole goal of the of the of the segment of the program. First joke always is Dr. Richard Rafferty from the Disk Institute of Pittsburgh. Patty gets arrested for beating his wife. Patty, P A D D Y, just so you know. Patty gets arrested for beating his wife. The judge asks him, "Why do you keep beating her?" Patty replies, I think it's my weight advantage. Longer reach and my superior <laughs> footwork. <laughs> I don't know why that made it so funny. That's for you. funny. <laughs> oh, that's funny. If, <laughs> if I were to die first, would you remarry? Well, said the husband, I'm in good health, so why not? Would she live in my house? All paid up, so yeah. Would she drive my car? It's new. Yeah. Would she use my golf clubs? Ooh. No. She's left-handed. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. A dinosaur. We've got a lot of wife ones. A dinosaur. It is true. A dinosaur was in a car accident. It was a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <clears throat> oh my God. Thank you. I'll be here all day. My ex-wife and I have a very amicable divorce. Okay. I know this because when I wrote on Facebook status, I'm getting a divorce, she was the first to hit the like button. Oh, my gosh. What would you get if a dinosaur kicked you in the rear end? I don't even... Who knows? A megasaurus. What? <laughs> Did you hear about the donut maker retiring? Oh, no. Yeah, he was fed up with the whole business. What's stranger than watching a catfish? This. Watching a fish bowl. (laughs) (laughs) There are three types of people in this world. Those who can count and those who can't. You don't get it. No. There's three people, types of people. Oh. Those who can count would be one. (laughs) Those who count. Oh, my goodness. See, we are very good at not listening. I'm really (laughs) good at love. I've noticed that. I'm really good at not listening to the men in my life. It's a problem. How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Ten tickles. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. Oh, wow. Where do cousins come from? Oh, where? Ant holes. Oh, gosh. (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of dirty I, I had a crazy dream last week i was swimming in an ocean of orange pop well it turns out it was just a fanta sea <clears throat> oh, why did the bee go back home why he forgot his yellow jacket teacher says to her class whoever answers my next question can go home A boy in the back of the class throws his book bag out the window. Teacher asks, who threw that? The boy responds, me. I'm going home. (laughs) (laughs) A man was in a serious car accident and lost the entire left side of his body. Yeah, he's all right now. See, you're supposed to say he's all right now. See, it's the way you deliver it. That lo- I, right? Are you already done? <laughs> I feel like I'm married to you. For right? Sake, I only him. have another two and a half minutes to, to mock you. So this fellow stopped me in the village today. And he said, what a lovely part of the country you live in. Have you lived here all your life? I said, no, not yet. <laughs> Sorry. It's so dumb. When you, when you clean out a vacuum cleaner, you become a vacuum cleaner. Uh, here, the doctor says, I have some bad news and some very bad news. Oh. patient says, okay, well, give me the bad news first. Doctor says, you have 24 hours to live. Ooh. 
patient says, only 24 hours. That's awful. What yeah. could be worse? Doctor says, I've been trying to reach you since yesterday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> what do you get when you cross a chicken with a cement mixer? A brick layer, of course. Oh, God. The bad news is that my obese parrot died recently. Oh. The good news is it's a huge weight off my shoulder. Oh, my God. Evil, evil, sorry, evil hens lay deviled eggs. <clears throat> My father hired a handyman, mm-hmm. gave him a list of jobs to accomplish. When he returned home, only items one, three, and five were done. Oh. Turns out the handyman only does odd jobs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my last one is a page. Do you want me to hit Go it? Go ahead. I'm done. All right. Th- I hope I can do this. Two little boys, ages eight and 10, excessively mischievous. They're always getting into trouble, and their parents know if any mischief occurs in their town, the two boys are probably involved. The boy's mother hears that a preacher in town has been successful in disciplining children, so she asked him if he would speak with her boys. The preacher agrees, but then asks to see them individually. So the mother sent the eight year old in the morning with the older boy to see the preacher in the afternoon the preacher a huge man with a deep booming voice sat the younger boy down and asked him sternly do you know where god is son the boy's mouth dropped open but he made no response sitting there wide-eyed with his mouth hanging open so the preacher repeated the question in even sterner tone where is god Again, the boy made no attempt to answer. Preacher raised his voice even more and shook his finger in the boy's face and bellowed, Where is God? And the boy screamed and bolted from the room, ran directly home, dove into his closet, slamming the door behind him. When his older brother found him in the closet, he asked what happened. The younger brother, gasping for breath, replied, We are in big trouble this time. God is missing, and they think we did it. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. I told you it was a bad joke Friday. We deliver and never lie. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. We love you. Thanks for being here. Peace.